Hello and welcome back to another exciting day at the Top Gun Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and celebrate the 1986 aerial sports drama Top Gun, one double taken minute at a time. I'm your podcasting aviator, Brian Boucher, call sign Kaboom. And I'm your Rio, Roger Cooter Wistar. And back again is our wingman, Travis Bow, call sign Wing Sauce. How's it going? It's going well. I'm excited that in this minute we get to see that it's going to become a fair fight. I was a little worried that the MIG was going to be outnumbered. Ah. And today we are on minute seven, which starts out with the belly of a tomcat and then ends with the cat and mouse chase. <laughs> oh, nice. Brian, don't, don't ever change. <laughs> so can we start with these enemy MIGs? Yes. Because I got to say, Absolutely. Like, so, so there are, there are many things about this. This movie is a tremendous cinematic achievement, which I feel it gives me license occasionally to sort of pick at some of the parts that I don't quite understand. So I have this question in my notes. I don't quite understand where the second MIG is coming from and how it just manages to like drop into frame from the top. <laughs> like, where is this plane? How is it possible that they did not notice it the way that it appears to be choosing to fly? I guess from my research, I've, I've found that it is possible if two planes are flying very close together, even with the Tomcat's which is the F-14, if you didn't know, uh, their radar can pick up to 24 different bogeys at once. Wow. Like, I find it more believable later in the movie when four planes look like two planes than I do in this minute that somehow these two planes could look like one plane. I buy it because I do, I think I just have always assumed that, that they're flying close enough together that the radar can't distinguish up two planes that, I assume they're basically staying as close to each other as, you know, just barely safe enough, you know. And we, I mean, we do see the one drop in out of frame. And of course, it looks visually like, oh, he's coming from, you know, way out there and joining his friend. But yeah, I think I just always assumed that seconds ago, these two would have been flying, you know, super close to each other. So I wanted to mention that the score when these MIGs come into play. Yeah, it's very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The phrase I've written down in my notes is, it is space age creepy. Ah, I, oh. I like that it, it, it's very antagonistic. You know, it's, it sets these guys up as as the threat. Um, I, I love the score in this in this section of minutes and just th throughout the movie, the score is, is fantastic. The synth is great. What, I don't know that much about making music. Do any of you have any experience making music? No. Well, All right. I play guitar a little bit. What do we have any clue what instrument uh, Harold Faltermeyer was able to use to make that? I, I don't know how to describe that sound. It's sort of like the blah. Like, right. What what bizarre alien piece of technology can make that noise? I don't know. I, I, I researched it. And I couldn't find nothing. I feel like but so when we were kids, uh, so I'm 45. Y'all are probably uh, older uh, than that, younger than that. I don't know. I'm, um, for, I'm 44. I feel like when I was coming of age, it was like the golden age of Casio and the rise of the electronic keyboard. I do mm -hmm. remember finding it to be super fun that you could pick all of these obscure, <laughs> like if you dial in instrument 123, 
you will probably get an entire piano keyboard that can only make that noise in 88 different pitches. Right. Um, but somebody had to like come up with that noise. I love that noise when, uh, as they're showing uh, Vader's pilot, I think that's who it is. Looks like Vader's pilots. Yeah. Uh-huh. You're yeah. talking about the people in this movie. You didn't just transition somehow into Star Wars. No, movie. no, no. I'm, I'm serious. Yeah, the pilot in the big got that black helmet at the yeah with the big black goggles and you can't really hardly see his face and he's got the oxygen mask on and it does that almost like a the sun is glaring as he's kind of rolling you know the sun's glaring off that off the glass off the cockpit and it it, it's that at the same time it's i i I just think that's amazing every time i see it yeah the this the score work in this movie and in these couple of minutes in general is fantastic we all know why the mig pilots are dressed up like they're flying uh, TIE fighters, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it, Steal from the best. No, right. it's because if you could actually, if they weren't wearing their visor or their oxygen mask, we would be able to tell that they were like Navy pilots from Miramar. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I read, well, I was kind of looking into the MiG-28s, which I found out these are, they're dressed up Northrop F-5s. They were, I think, I think that was one of the stipulations from the mil- the real military said you can't use now here's what you can use. You can use these planes. You can you can redress them, paint them black, call them MIG 28 because those don't exist because I guess MIGs are all odd numbered. So the MIG 28 will never has never existed. Yeah, I I love the look of them. They're they're just really sinister looking. So and, and they said that uh, you can't instantly really tell what nation they're from. You know, it's I think. You know, is it Korea? Is it Soviet Union? You know, it's it's vague enough that it's it's no actual country. This is the Republic right. of Kabukistan. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I have written down in my notes like something about uh, maybe it's maybe it's the F five itself, or maybe it's the way that they told these guys to fly these planes. These enemy planes just seem more dangerous. They they fly yeah. in a much more sort of herky jerky aggressive fashion to any of the previous scenes we've seen with F fourteens, which frankly kind of move like semi trucks. Yeah. I mm. I love the the juxtaposition of seeing, you know, these two planes flying against each other and later on in the movie Char- Charlie will even say, yeah, that the MiGs are are super fast and very maneuverable. You know, whereas like the F14s, you know, they are fast, but it, it they don't corner like these things do. You know, they're they're not meant for that. Um, they, Travis, they do also have one other conspicuous weakness but we'll get to that in a while <laughs> yeah yeah and those planes are still used in top gun today yeah. as you using them as big simulators okay have you guys talked much about the f-14s honestly no, no. okay I, um, I love these planes these these are my favorite planes because of this movie you know seeing growing up with this movie um just i had a little you know toy model of the, of this plane kind of like one of those die cast you know kind of things and and the wings you know spread out just like these do it was i just i'm in love with this plane with the f-14 i don't know that much about the f-18 does it have the same does it have like sweeping wings no it's like a fixed wing oh man yeah i always used to think that the most fun and exciting plane were the harrier was the harrier because ah. there's just something about being able to take off like a helicopter that i always found interesting i think probably when you get down to it they're not the most exciting aircraft no 
but uh, yeah, we'll, the, these planes are great. We'll find out about the F-18 here uh, in a couple months, hopefully. Oh, oh yeah? Good. Yeah, because that's the plane in a Top Gun Maverick. Right. Oh, yeah, well, I guess so. That would make sense. I have down in my notes for this minute as well. This is, so we talked about this uh, in a couple of other minutes. This minute is like peak Goose looking over his shoulder. <laughs> Goose yeah. does nothing else in this minute except look over his shoulder and attempt to find the enemy boat. Mm. Uh, Merlin does a lot of that too. Not necessarily in this minute, but he's all over the place too. These yeah. canopies seem gigantic. And they, I'm assuming all the, you know, all the shots of our, our actors here, these are on a soundstage, you know, with a rear projection or some sort of, you know, camera wizardry like that. And so yeah, I, I, maybe the, these models that they're sitting in are probably slightly bigger. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Do you guys I, know how they film the actors? Actually, when they were filming the actors in the, uh, what do you call it? A, a, a gimbal. Okay. Yeah. And it was on a, on a, big 25 foot ring that they could spin around they could do all kinds of stuff but it was it was actually a f-14 cockpit okay that was from a one that was no good anymore sure. so they just, they just use it kind of like what they use with the uh, indie cars okay you know, like a fuselage you know the, makes sense so. you use what use the real thing yeah and and like you said using that rear projection behind them so it looks like they're flying through the clouds and then they had a forward projection, so they could get the reflections off the canopies. Okay. One other thing I say about this is that with our actors, with Tom Cruise and, and uh, Anthony Edwards, and Cougar, and Merlin, they were all in that gimbal, but the MiG pilots were actual Navy pilots. Okay. Those were actually in real cockpits flying in through the air. So when you're seeing that, when you see the MiG pilots, those are actual navy pilots doing their thing that would probably explain why we only get to see lap cam for them yeah right which again somehow i don't i don't know how tony scott does it but like in every way he just makes these make pilots seem more sinister i i would not be surprised if they looked at star wars and every shot of those tie fighter pilots you get is the same you know basic uh the same shot you know looking down looking up at them mm-hmm. you know I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's intentional. Well, I mean, however they did it, you know, with that with that rig on a gimbal and the projection, like they do a great job. I can honestly, I can't think of any moment in this movie where it doesn't seem to me like they're actually up in this. Yeah, um, and I think I think that probably is because they are, you know, cutting quickly enough that you don't get a chance to really let your eye linger uh, too much on any one shot. Um, but it, it's really well done. Uh, the, the The director of photography, I do not think, got enough credit. For Jeffrey Kimball is his name. I'm going to give him more props again because he deserved to get more. Yeah. yeah. So this comes to my favorite shot in the movie. Hmm. Whoa. We're peaking yeah. early, Brian. Dang. I, I know. but <laughs> It's all downhill yeah. from here. Yeah. Is it? yeah, but this is a beautiful shot. This single F-14 flying left to right on the screen. It's so smooth, and there's a perfect sky with some clouds underneath, and you know, being on the interstate and, you know, you see a, a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, a, a DeLorean in my case, coming up from behind you, just kind of just passing you, not going much faster, and just enough. <laughs> Are so you talking you, about like at the beginning of this minute, like second 11 and 11 and 12 when the plane comes in from left to right? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then right after that, the next shot, 
is two MiG-28s and they're flying right to left on this. So it looks like it's a, a one-on-two Yeah, engagement. setting up that they're going head to head. Yeah, but yeah. This, is, this is also different from the previous minutes because the previous minutes, the bad guys are coming from the left side. They've and, done a nice job of putting our good guys where they're supposed to be. There's some good dramatic irony in at least the first half of this minute too. Like we know that there are two enemy mix, but Maverick isn't going to figure that out until about 30 seconds into this minute. Um, would Goose be able to identify these these planes, these enemy enemy fighters as MiG-28s, you know, just by eyeballing them at whatever at, speed they're going? Well, at, at approximately 1,800 knots effective speed, considering right. that they're flying directly at each other, he's got really good eyes. He's wearing glasses. <laughs> or wait, yeah. no, he's not. Not in this no. minute. Yeah, yeah that's, that's some very good eyes. If you can I, figure I, that I, out. I assume that they, they train these guys to identify enemy 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 craft and even friendly craft you know just from the silhouettes of their of whatever they're flying in so they can kind of tell they are i suppose so maybe that's what it is yeah they just stay up all night studying jane's quarterly or whatever the equivalent (laughs) giant volume is for planes instead of ships google military jets and see how many actually show up there (laughs) are a ton having to know all that plus knowing all the lingo it takes a lot to be a pilot in a, in a Rio. Can we talk a little bit about Stinger in this minute? Yes. My man, James Tolkien. Now, oh, where yeah. does, you, you said Stinger in, in, in last minute too. Where does that, where is that established? It's in the not. credits. In the okay. credits. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes. It, I've is... only ever known this guy as uh, Mr. Strickland, Strickland or uh, <laughs> oh, what's his name in, uh, in uh, Masters of the Universe. Um, oh, I forget, but. I had to. I mean, the, the, these th- those three movies, this, you know, and, and those two were huge parts of my growing up. And this guy was in all three of them. So, yeah, well, you yeah. can see o- over my shoulder. Yeah. There's Marty McFly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's, it's interesting. I think this minute does a good job of establishing the danger. So, Stinger finds out that the enemy MiGs are within 250 miles. And so I was a little curious about how dangerous that really is. Now, based on my research, 250 miles is not actually that dangerous. Right. Um, I'm assuming these planes are are carrying if they if they're going to carry anything to attack the aircraft carrier, which they're not really. But if they if they were going to threaten the aircraft carrier, they would have to do it with something like an Exocet missile, some sort of air to sea missile. Um, and according to the interwebs, the Exocet only has an effective range of about of less than 50 miles. Um, but you'll have to remember, if these guys are going 900 uh, knots, like they're going to close those last 200 miles in like the blink of an eye. Yeah. Now, I've we mentioned this previously, and Travis, you didn't know, I used to be in the U.S. Air Force. Right. So, and my job was to build bombs and missiles. And, and this was back in the mid nineties. So not far off from the V. Yeah. But I do know that an AGM 65, which is a, an air to ground missile has a range of about hundred miles. Okay. It's a little bit more, um, but still these, these MIGs are still outside of um, the actual threat. Distance. Right. But they're getting close. Yeah. But they don't well, want to, they don't want to get within that hundred miles out. No, for I sure. think that's, I, I go back to, what I was saying yesterday, what I think these guys are doing, it's just, just they're just scouting, you know, because they're not going to take on 
an aircraft carrier and and all I don't know how many planes can be launched off of an aircraft carrier, but yeah, they're not set up to do to take on all that. I think they're just like I said, just fact finding, you know. Because um, visually, each each of these MIGs have two missiles, and yeah, I'm, I'm sure lots of other uh, ammunition. But I feel like the missiles that we see attached to the uh, are they the wing tips of these uh-huh. of these yeah. MIGs? They seem more like air to air missiles. Sure, I'm just yeah. assuming. So yeah, I don't even know. You know, I actually wonders. I haven't studied the plane. These planes, honest, now that I look at them in this minute, they honestly don't feel like they are carrying any ordnance that you could use to threaten a ship with. Right. Um, so here's another possibility, not that we need to deconstruct this too much. One possibility is that they are attempting to gather intelligence on the capabilities of like the U.S. Navy radar system. Mm, if you just get yeah. close enough to have to get, you know, uh, kind yeah, of... Yeah, where, where can they detect us and how, how close, yeah. This is all I know about the military is from watching Top Gun and reading Tom Clancy novels, but <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that's in at least one of the Tom Clancy novels I've ever read. Well, I do have in my notes that an F-14 can hold six, six Phoenix missiles or six Sparrow missiles and two Sidewinder missiles. What's a Sparrow? Aim seven. Is that air to air or air to ground? Uh, air to air. The, the Sparrow and the Sidewinder are air to air missiles. I knew about the Sidewinder from playing Top Gun, the NES game. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, game that, was, game. that game is so hard. Yeah. That game is really hard. Yeah. yeah. It has a really good uh, MIDI version of the Top Gun anthem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, there's uh, When we see Stinger, you know, in, in this uh, uh, ready, ready room, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I never, ever noticed uh, until now that he's, you know, this is the, the USS Enterprise that he's on. And I don't know if you guys talked about that last week, but I, I mean, that's a, that's a very famous, you know, it's a famous name for, you know, U.S. military ships of this stature. And of course the name is, is very, uh, has a long history, but yeah, I had no idea that there, this ship is the, was the Enterprise. So yeah, but that was really cool. Yeah. In the, uh, one of the original scripts, it was actually supposed to be the USS Kitty Hawk. Okay. But I think the Kitty Hawk was out on maneuvers, was not in the area when they mm. were starting to film. So the USS Enterprise was, so they used that. That's cool. I, I'm always, anytime I see an aircraft carrier, I'm always very like dialed in to if it's the CVN-71 or the uh, or the uh, CV-60. Like I, I noticed those, the uh, 71 was the the, uh, USS Theodore Roosevelt and the 60 is the Saratoga and my dad served on both of those ships so it in and around this this time period so I'm always no very uh, dialed into to that sort of stuff so nice. I think Stinger's hat tells us that this is 65 yeah yes. which I guess is the designation for the Enterprise yep I'm happy that it's the Enterprise I mean no offense to the Kitty Hawk but it, like I don't feel yeah. I do not feel threatened by the Kitty Hawk <laughs> I feel like a, a ship called the Enterprise can impose its will. Yeah. An interesting fact about the USS Enterprise that we see in Top Gun is uh, the first nuclear-powered yeah. aircraft carrier. That's what the, the N in CVN stands for. It's like certified vessel. Uh, I'm not sure about CV, but I know the N stands for nuclear. Oh, I noticed that uh, huge radar in uh, that little control room. I don't know if you know anything about the radars. Nope. 
I know nothing. I know that typically in movies, it's designed to sort of hold our visual attention with that little rotating sweep. I just know that he's like Colonel Potter's like kind of right-hand man, kind of his assistant. (laughs) (laughs) Radar O'Reilly, we like him. He's a funny guy. The radar and the ships are a massive radar, which we'll see the radar antenna here, I think, the next minute. Yeah, they have a huge range. They are their eyes, you know. On in a F-14, the radar only is on the, the nose of the plane, which you'll if you look at it, you you can see underneath the right there at the nose, underneath it, you can see this round cylinder thing. That's their radar. And it only goes out 65 degrees on either side. So when we were talking about Goose and Merlin always looking backwards, is because in real life, oh, they can't they, see behind they, them. They can't be see behind them. They're blind. They, they are they are the pilot's eyes because if it was a 360 like you see which we'll see here coming up uh tomorrow too i believe it shows kind of a miniature radar of like what we're seeing now on the ship and it's doing that whole complete 360 sweep in a real f-14 that wouldn't happen because there's so much radiation coming off that radar if it was to go back through the plane that's going to cause that's a massive amount of radiation coming backwards and go through huh. through the pilot in the Rio and would cause major health issues. Huh. That sounds bad. Yeah. Very bad. That's wild. And you know, not just not just from aircraft carriers though too, right? I mean, there are these AWACS planes that you can also deploy, sort of serve as your giant radar uh, radar in the sky, right? Yes. The ones with yeah. those big big dishes on top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So speaking of speaking of people craning their necks around and looking at stuff, can we talk a little bit about Cougar at the end of this minute? I've got a question for you all. How good a pilot do we think that Cougar is? I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb. Maybe this is sort of a hot take. He in this maybe it's just in this minute. He's not seemed like the greatest pilot. Idol. I'm not quite sure how he got to be number one on the Enterprise. Like first off, he loses the enemy Mig in the sun. <laughs> And and he's just like, like, why are they not? Well, I guess you've answered this question for me about why they can't track it with radar because they can't see in front of them. But like, I don't know. I'm not I'm not so impressed by Cougar in this minute. Like he we can see where the plane is. It's up there. I guess there is that sun kind of blocking it. But uh, I don't know. What do you all think of Cougar in this minute? I think Cougar is probably a very technically proficient flyer i think he does everything by the book and is really good at that but he's not so good you know now we'll learn no one's been this close to a mig before and so he's not prepared for what these things can do and this mig pilot is staying like just in his blind spot and he's using the sun to kind of camouflage himself a little bit and and so and cougar is just not ready for that you know he's he's the yeah, I, I just think he's too straight-laced, too, like I said, too technically proficient and trying to to do do everything the right way. And then, of course, Maverick is a little more, you know, he can adapt. So the other thing that kind of I bumped on a little bit was like at the end of the very end of this minute, Cougar says this bogey is all over me. And up to this point, we literally have no indication that the MiG has done anything threatening to him. Like for... Apparently for Cougar, all over me means there's a MiG and it's like close enough that I can see. I don't know how much actual combat Cougar has seen. Like, do we feel like Cougar has actually engaged with a lot of enemy planes? Yeah, not this Cougar. I mean, (laughs) I mean, if 
if he really, I mean, if he was as good as he supposedly is, he should have seen this a hundred times. It's a no, it's a international waters. There should be planes flying all over that place. And yeah. you shouldn't, it shouldn't be a threat. You should never think of a plane really as a, a threat. It's, you know, you're, they're flying there just like you are. You're, okay, especially in the Indian Ocean, maybe you were the one that shouldn't be there. You're so far away from America. You know, yeah. You, you kind of have to sympathize a little bit with the, with these bogeys. Yeah. I, I see it as a, it's a turf thing. You know, yeah. they're each just kind of, you know, protecting their turf a little bit. Um, I don't, I don't think, uh, we'll, we'll, you guys will talk about, you know, Cougar next week and sort of his, his motivation. He's got stuff going on that, that will make this part make sense. You know, he's already thinking about, you know, he's, he can't deal with this. So I guess yeah. so. And I mean, Maverick said he was going to go after MIG two and told Cougar to go after MIG one. He's like, Cougar should have been right on top of that. You know, he should have been the one saying it because he's the lead. Who cares what Maverick says? He's, he's not the one in charge. Yeah. So should Cougar have said, you're not going anywhere. We're stay. We're both staying together. Uh, you're my wingman, and we're going to take care of the one threat, and then we'll deal with the other one. Well, yeah. I mean, Cougar. Cougar by the end of this minute has gone into reactive. He is essentially playing defense. All right. Well, that's all I have for this minute. Me too. Yeah, I'm good. All right. So, uh, Wing Sauce, I heard you had a story about your work today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Top Gun uh, came up today. Um, in, in a in a funny way so i'm i'm in my office i'm doing my work and i i have two other guys i work with and one of them says something about days of thunder the the tom cruise movie you know days of thunder the spiritual sequel to this movie <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah um not the actual sequel that's coming up <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so my other co-worker says uh days of thunder is that the uh the volleyball movie with tom cruise <laughs> and so i you know I, I i take out my my airpods i roll my office chair out out to the hallway and i i said i mean completely ignoring the the days of thunder top gun mix-up i said do you think top gun is about volleyball <laughs> and and you know he was like uh yeah i guess so yeah <laughs> he's a uh uh, he was a, a, a millennial, so I don't think he'd ever seen Top Gun or really knew anything about it and didn't know it was any different from uh, Days of Thunder. So I just I thought that was the funniest thing. Wow. He's yeah. probably just watched that clip of the volleyball scene. I'm sure he's YouTube. seen GIFs yeah. of Tom Cruise playing volleyball, and that's mm-hmm. that's probably about it. I cannot wait till we get to those minutes. <laughs> what is the volleyball scene in Days of Thunder? It's the uh, it's when Rowdy and uh, Tom and Cole are uh, driving. They're supposed to meet oh, you're some right. people for it's dinner. The rental, it's the, it's rental, the rental car, car scene. The rental. Oh, movie. Thank you for reminding me. I, I love had, that. I hadn't made that connection, but you're so so right. Like so we had car problems. I heard it was the radiator, wasn't it, Cole? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, th- I think it was. So Travis, let us uh, let the listeners know about your uh, other podcasts. Yeah, check me out on uh, Real Comic Heroes. That's one of my ongoing shows. Uh, we we started in 2015, and we review comic book movies. We started with Superman and the Mole Men from 1951, and we've been moving 
closer and closer to the present day. As of this recording, we just did uh, the Billy Zane vehicle, the Phantom from 1996. We just did, uh, uh, we just talked about Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible. So we're in the in the mid 90s as of this recording or mid to late 90s. So yeah, check us out over there. Uh, search Real Comic Heroes. That's real with two E's. And yeah, have fun with it. Billy Zane in the Phantom, Travis. Wow, you have yeah. my you have my sympathy. That was a fun movie. I loved every minute of it. Really? All yeah, right, well. I'd never really seen it before. Um, so I didn't have any. I, I just knew of it having a. Uh, uh, a lesser uh, reputation so no I, it was it was a blast i was gonna say if if i sent you to a desert island and you could only watch for the rest of your life the phantom with billy zane or the saint with val kilmer Ooh. which would you which would you choose man i see i i watched the saint a lot um when it was out and you know just man that i have a lot of nostalgia for that movie but phantom was really fun Hmm. I'm gonna have to take your word for it. Okay. All right. So we're gonna get out of here. Uh, hey, we got a bunk down below deck. If you wanna, you wanna stay there tonight. I, so you don't have to keep uh, traveling back and forth. I'll I'll sleep up on the deck. Uh, my dad has told me stories about how terrible those bunks are on an aircraft carrier. So no, thank you. Okay. Well, that's fine. You can, you can stay up there. Keep away from uh, all that noise from the nuclear generators. That's right. Ghost Rider, this is Kaboon requesting you to like and subscribe and share with your friends. If you could, please rate and review me on your favorite podcasting apps. You can continue the discussion on Facebook at Top Gun Minute Listener School. Find us on Twitter at Top Gun Minute Pod. Send your emails to me at Top Gun Minute Pod at gmail.com. You can find us and all your other favorite movies done in this format at moviesbyminutes.com. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, This episode pattern is full.